The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hi, this is Keith from the Book of Constellations. I hope you're enjoying the story so far, and if you are, there's a couple of ways you can help support the show. The first is to invite friends to listen. Word of mouth is one of the most important ways we can build an audience together, and it means a lot to me to know that my story is reaching people. The second way is to consider making a donation. Just like when you buy a new book or go on a movie date, you recognize the value of the entertainment you're getting. I'm an independent artist, so I depend on support from my listeners to allow me to keep making content. If you'd like to show your support with a donation, go to glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. That's G-L-O-W dot F-M slash bookofconstellations. It's super easy, quick and painless, just a couple of clicks, and I deeply appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy today's verse. Listeners are advised this episode contains a moment of domestic violence. The Book of Constellations Written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms Chapter 1, Verse 5 So now I have to explain to Rael why taking a high school kid on the road with us is a bad idea, even if that kid does seem to be in a tough situation. This is the contradiction in Rahel. For someone who knows things he shouldn't know about people he's just met, or who can somehow steer us around the cops on the road, Rahel doesn't understand a lot about the way things work. Not back then, anyway. Still, I know his intentions are right. There is a basic goodness in him that you notice within seconds, once you get past his strange appearance and manner. And he might miraculously know things about Satya that compel him to want to help her. People ask me sometimes if he can see the future. I don't know. Sometimes it felt like it, but then he didn't see how it was going to end with the governor, did he? But with Satya, maybe he knows what's going to happen down the road and what she ends up meaning to both of us. Or maybe when we were miles away, he knew she needed help. And if you can help someone who needs it, wouldn't you? But there and then, as he's pulling her out of her hiding place in the ditch, all I can think about is cops and kidnapping charges. That and the pain in my hips. And the paramilitary theta group looking for us. Oh, and that we're going to confront the governor of the state, who Rael says is corrupted by an ancient, invisible civilization called the Darkness, bent on undoing our world. And You know, when you just sort of lay it out like that, it makes you wonder how much of the crazy Kool-Aid you've swallowed. But Rael says, 
Satya, we are going west to fight the darkness. Come with us. And I'm scrambling to figure out the best way to defuse this situation when Satya, bless her, just laughs at him. Uh, wow, that's at least original. But no, weirdo, I have school and stuff. What are you guys doing out here? She keeps glancing down the road as if afraid that the boys that chased her might return. Also, behind that defensive smirk, she's watching us warily. I get it. We're strangers and, uh, well, strange. Rael says, We were looking for you. He's not helping much, is he? Though you are right, it is a good night to look at the constellations. Uh Uh-huh. Stargazers, sure. Which one's your favorite? All of them, says Rael. What I like about constellations is that the same stars take on a different shape if you just change where you stand to look at them. His answer catches her a little by surprise, and she studies him closer. Uh, There's not a lot of starlight at the moment, but even if he isn't glowing that soft blue, there's definitely something different about him. I want to put her at ease, so I say, uh, We saw you getting chased by those boys. We just wanted to help. Make sure you're okay. She looks at me then. Oh, oh wait. You were in the store. Carlos knocked you over. He's such a waste of human potential, isn't he? I'm sorry about that. Are you okay? I shrug my shoulders. I'm not. My legs are trembling with the effort to stand, and the pain is like a furnace in my hip. But she didn't need to know that. Yeah, uh, fine. How about you? She shrugs, glancing over her shoulder to where the bullies had gone. She's hiding her pain, too. Another day, and still in one piece. So that's a victory, right? I'm Simon. This is Rael. Can we give you a ride somewhere? Satya looks past me to the RV, parked under the oak tree, and she laughs again. You want me to get into a camper with a couple of guys I just met? Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Again, I get it. It's probably not safe for her to walk home, either. I mean, what if those guys find her? But it's the lesser risk for her. Okay, I say to her, just be careful out there. Come on, Rael. But Rael doesn't move. With his usual calm certainty, he says, Carlos is on his way home, but will be suspicious when he realizes his mother didn't text him after all. I am not sure where Randy is, though his house is closest to yours, and if he stopped on the way, he might see you. And you already know that Syed is waiting for you. She gives him that uh, astonished look that seems to cross everyone's face at some point when dealing with Rael. He continues. I know you can't go home right now. Where will you go? She folds her arms over her chest and looks around the dark farmland a little helplessly. Sometimes I hang out at this all-night fast food place. Or I know how to break into the school. I can sleep in the gym where they store the mats. I say, how often do you do this? She sniffs defensively. It's not a big deal. Just have to wait till things calm down. Rail says... Instead of doing that, stay with us tonight. We can park somewhere public and safe. I give you my word that we will not hurt you. I chime in. We can buy you a cup of coffee or something if you want. Uh, You like coffee? Coffee is okay, she says. But tea is where it's at. I'm all about tea. Okay, tea then. And then in the morning, if you want, we'll drop you off at school or wherever. 
I give Rael a little significant glance at this, hoping he'll take the hint, but I can't tell what he's thinking behind those sunglasses. Satya studies us for a moment more, then shrugs like it's no big deal. All right, she says, walking past us and toward the RV. Thanks. Satya climbs into the back and starts poking around a little. It's messy and cramped, but she doesn't seem too put off by it. Rail gets into the passenger seat while I struggle to sit in the driver's. It's probably too soon to take more ibuprofen, but this pain isn't going away. I'm breaking out in a little sweat, trying to steal myself so I can drive us somewhere. I hear Satya rummaging idly through the kitchen drawers. Okay, if you guys try anything, I've got like a bunch of forks here and I'll stick them in your neck. Don't think I won't. I manage a little laugh and then say, So, where are we going for now? You know that little coffee house on Moultrie Avenue? Sorry, we're not from around here. Some of us more than others. All right, I'll show you. They make great chai. We set off, following Satya's directions. She ends up taking a seat at the little table in the back, which is right behind us, so she can lean forward and watch through the front windshield. But she's studying Rael more. She says, I like what you said about constellations, about how the same stars look different when you change your point of view, but I don't think that's true. What do you mean? Rael asks. Well, okay, take Orion. Easy one to find, right? Just look for the three stars that make up his belt. I went out to California once a few years ago, and it looked just the same out there as it did here. You're just not changing your perspective far enough. You mean, like, from somewhere out in space? Rail turns so he can look back over his shoulder at her. There is a red dwarf star around 1,500 light years from here. Orbiting it is a small world, mostly ice and rock, like so many billions of others. However, there is a canyon in the northeast hemisphere of that world, and above that canyon is a long ledge. And if you were to stand on that ledge at night, during certain parts of the year, and find the three stars that make up Orion's belt, they would not form a line. Instead, from that place, on that world, they form a perfect equilateral triangle. The same stars, but a completely different shape. Satya smiles, a mixture of wonder and amusement in it. For real? Okay, Mr. Spock, how do you know that? Rail shakes his head, returning her smile. It is not important. What is important is that sometimes to see things differently, it requires a fundamental change in perspective. Everyone sees a line from here. They often can't imagine it being anything else. But that's just because their perspective is limited. <laughs> yeah, all they have to do is fly to Alpha Centauri or whatever, she says. A little further than that, but yes. She laughs, tucking some of her long black hair behind an ear. That's a long way to go to get perspective. You better call NASA then. They need to get busy. I might. One day. But do you know what is the second thing I like about constellations? What's that? The line in Orion's belt isn't even a line. There are no lines in the sky, only points of light. People decide how to connect the dots. The patterns are not fixed or preordained. You mean Orion isn't real? 
He's real in that someone made up a pattern in the sky, invented a story about it, and told others. And there's nothing wrong with a good story. You just can't forget it's a story. You're a trip, Rael. Is that what you two are doing out here? Making up constellations? We are traveling west to fight the darkness. Quickly, I clear my throat. <clears> throat> um, hey, uh, which way do I turn up here? Go straight, then take your next left. She must notice me shifting uncomfortably in my seat because she says, Hey, uh, Simon, right? Are you okay? You don't look so hot. Yeah, I'm fine. How about you? You you took a pretty hard fall back there in the store. She purses her lips and glances away. I've had worse. Don't worry about it. Still, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. It must be really hard to be, uh, you know. I notice her squinting at me in the rearview mirror. To be what? She asks. Um, you know, to be a boy who... She grits her teeth, cuts me off. I'm a girl. No, I know, just... There is no just. She takes a deep breath. You helped me out back in the store, and you're helping me now, and I appreciate it. But I get so tired of trying to explain something so, so simple. My name is Satya, not Kumar. I am a girl, not a boy. A woman, actually. I'm 18, Rail says. You're 16. I'm, uh, okay, fine, 16, but it amounts to the same thing. I didn't ask for this. I have no agenda. I just want to wear clothes that feel right on my body, be called a name that is right in my head, go to school, make friends, and pee without getting killed. That's all. And you know, it really is as simple as that. You're right, I say. I'm sorry. She then smirks at me and pats my shoulder. It's okay. You're an old man. Might take you a while, but you'll figure it out. I like her already. We get to the coffee house. One of those chains that pops up everywhere, even in little towns like this one. They're open for a couple more hours, so the three of us head inside. Satya orders a chai. I get coffee. Rail says he doesn't want anything. I pay. Really gonna have to figure out this money thing sooner than later, else this is gonna be a short road trip. We sit at a table in the back. I catch Satya eyeing the bathrooms a bit, so I ask her about it. Oh, just, I gotta go, and I'm making sure no one's using them. All my girl clothes are at home. They don't let me wear them at school, so I guess I'll use the men's. Rail says, do not worry. We will watch and make sure no one disturbs you. Satya nods, grateful, and goes. Poor kid, I say, then wince as I try to shift to a more comfortable position in the chair. It doesn't work. I'm hurting bad. Rail says, I honestly don't understand why your people are so obsessed with dividing the genders. Well, I don't know. I'm sure women don't want men doing creepy things while they're trying to go to the bathroom. That sounds like it is a problem with what you teach men, doesn't it? I, I guess, but uh, listen, we need to talk about Satya. You know we can't take her with us. Why not? Well, first of all, she's 16. And she's in high school. She has parents. Taking her without her parents' permission is a crime. 
even if she willingly goes with us, it, it might be kidnapping, endangerment, I don't know. Rail rests his hands in his lap and looks out of the window, calm and thoughtful. Satya lives with her mother and her older brother. Her father left the family when Satya was five. This was both good and bad, as he was physically abusive to Satya's mother. When Satya started showing signs that she wanted to dress and present herself as the girl she knows she is, her mother used verbal abuse and religious harassment to try to change her, as if she was somehow broken and these violent tools could repair her. Her brother relied on his father's example for guidance and thus beats her. Okay, I get it. She's in a bad situation, but we're not equipped to deal with that. We can call family services, or Rail interrupts. This state has recently passed laws against people like Satya. It denies transgender people medical care, allows teachers and coaches to inspect their genitals before they play a sport, and if a parent supports their desire to transition, the state can deem that parent as unfit and take the child away from them. In a climate like this, do you believe family services will be sympathetic to her? No wonder her mother and brother act as they do. They are terrified. Because she wants to wear a dress. Rail, all that is true, but if she comes with us, you can bet the police will come after. The darkness is already after us, Simon. We found Satya because she was meant to help us fight it. Satya's coming out of the bathroom now, and honestly, I'm in too much pain to keep arguing with Rail. I'll let it drop for now. Satya looks between us, sensing something's up. Simon, what's wrong? You're almost as gray-looking as frozen Han Solo over here, Rail says. Simon has cancer in his legs and hips. The fall earlier caused him great pain. Oh, she says. That really sucks. I'm sorry. You got anything you can take? I shake my head. Just uh, over-the-counter stuff. You want some oxy? I stare at her. Oxycontin. You have some? I don't, but I know where I can get it. Can you hang on until morning? It's my brother's. He deals it on the side, and we gotta wait until he's in school. Your brother? Yeah. Syed, my brother. You met him earlier. We stay at the coffee shop until they close. Then we move back to the RV. I don't remember a whole lot about what we talked about, though. Mostly it's Rael and Satya doing the talking. Okay, mostly Satya. I think Rael finally understands how risky having Satya join us is because he doesn't bring up the darkness again that night. And she doesn't ask. They talk about tea, and Rael tries some of hers. I admire the dozen friendship bracelets around her wrist. She says she made them herself and had given them to herself. Every time I felt like I needed a friend. There is some talk of science fiction. Satya is a fan. Rail seems vaguely amused by all of that. I do remember asking her what she wants to do after high school, and she said, uh, Whatever it is, I'm going to do it as far from here as possible. How far are you willing to go? Asked Rail. How far you got? She counters and laughs. It's nice to hear laughter in my RV again. Been a long time. Eventually, though, she lays down on the little cushioned bench in the back and falls asleep. 
I cover her with a blanket, and then Rail and I fall into a long, thoughtful silence, waiting for dawn. Satya had laid out the plan for us, and it sounded pretty straightforward. I'm still worried, though, but the thought of getting a little relief from the pain brings me around. I doze a little here and there, but not much, and never for long. Rail sat at the table like before, hardly moving, his mind somewhere else. A little after eight in the morning, I drive us to Satya's house. It's in one of those forgotten neighborhoods. Maybe back in the 40s and 50s it was classy, but as newer subdivisions sprang up and property values fell, the old houses, old trees, and old roads got more and more tired looking as they fought the war against entropy. The RV bumps along the cracked asphalt until I park where Satya tells me to out front of a tiny four-room house that had been painted light blue once in someone's memory. Are you sure this is safe? I ask. Rail is looking out of the side window, but not at the house. Your mother is at work, Satya, but I don't know where your brother is. Satya says, he's probably at school. You want me to call him? Maybe I can figure out where he is. No, says Rail. His phone is off. How do you know that? Rail doesn't answer. She looks at me for an explanation, and I just shrug. What the hell do I know? But I do see a beat-up Japanese import in the driveway. Is that his car? I ask. Yeah, but sometimes he gets a ride with Randy. He lives just down the road. Syed and Randy were together last night when I lost track of him, says Rail. Randy is at school now, though I'm not sure with who. Yeah, says Satya. She seems antsy, nervous, in a hurry. Something's pushing her, though I don't know what. It's fine. I'll just run in, grab the oxy, we can go, okay? And then she's opening the door and hurrying up the yard before I have a chance to say anything else. Once she's inside, I say to Rael, I don't like anything about this. Neither do I. No one should have to be oppressed over something so small. That, That wasn't what I meant, but... You're right. We fall into silence, waiting. But ten minutes pass and Satya hadn't come out yet. I'm starting to worry. Should we check on her? Here she comes, says Rael. And sure enough, she opens the front door. She's changed her clothes. She's wearing a flowing print skirt, tights underneath, scoop neck t-shirt, and a denim jacket thrown over it all. She's got on makeup, too, just some lip and eye stuff, and... She's done her hair. You know, she still has that thin, boyish frame, and you know the clothes aren't really cut for her, but... You know, it doesn't matter what I think of the clothes. The clothes are for her, not me. She looks a lot more relaxed. She's even smiling. She's also got a backpack crammed with stuff and a small rolling suitcase with her. And that is a lot more worrisome. Before I have a chance to ask Rail about this development, I hear a shout coming across the lawn. Syed, her brother, has just crossed into the yard from the street. He's wearing the same clothes he wore last night. He must have stayed over at his friend Randy's house. He's staring at Satya with disgust. What are you doing? Jesus Christ, Kumar, people are gonna see! Satya freezes. A look of terror across her face, rooted in place. 
Get back in the house! Syed bolts across the lawn toward her. Rail is out of the side door and I'm right behind him as best I can. Rail runs, almost glides across the spotty and overgrown grass, his poncho flapping behind him. But Syed is there before him and he grabs Satya by the arm, dragging her toward the front door. She struggles. Let me go! And that's when he punches her in the face. Hard. The smack echoes off the nearby houses. She yelps and falls to the ground. Syed stands over her, raising his fist again. He calls her that name again, just like in the store, that slur, and brings his fist down. Only it stops dead, mid-stroke. Rail has snagged him. His hand is wrapped around Syed's wrist, his expression perfectly calm. Syed blinks at him, struggling to move his trapped arm, but it's as if Rail is made of steel. Stop, says Rael. This, this isn't your business. Let me go. Rael repeats. Stop. Then Syed sneers, and with his free hand, he punches Rael across the jaw. Rael's head snaps back and his sunglasses go flying. The force of the blow and the morning sun on his face must sting because he lets go of Syed and reels back a step or two. Syed presses his advantage and charges him, which is... When I come out of the RV with my shotgun and point it at him. That's enough. Back off. The boy freezes, his fury turning to alarm at the sight of my gun. He puts his hands up, his chest heaving with his breath. Take a few steps back there, Junior, and calm your sorry ass down. Rail retrieves his sunglasses and hooks them over his ears. I don't get a good look at his eyes, though, but there's not a mark on his face. He crouches beside Satya. Her nose and mouth are bloody, already starting to swell. She's got a stony expression on her face, but she seems clear-headed enough. Rail says, Simon, please put away the weapon. Yeah, like hell I am, I say to him. Not while this mouth breather is enjoying beating on people half his size. Please, he says. I do the next best thing, I guess. I lower it, keep it pointed at the ground but I give Syed a hard stare to make sure he knows that I'll use it if I have to. Rail helps Satya to her feet. Syed says, I don't know who you think you are, but I am calling the cops on you. This is family stuff. You have no right. Rail checks on Satya one more time before turning to face Syed. Why do you care how she dresses? Because it's wrong. Wrong how? What do you mean? It's gross and against nature. Rail tilts his head as he studies the angry teen. Who does it hurt? He asks. What? If she wants to call herself Satya and dress like a girl, who does it hurt? Syed's expression darkens as he struggles with the question. It hurts him. It's wrong. It hurts her like a punch to the face, Rail says. There are a lot of things in this world that are wrong, Syed, but I don't see how her name does much harm. It's against God, he says. Well, that seems like an issue between her and God, then, not you. So again, I ask you, who is hurt by what she does? He throws his fist through the air in frustration. It it hurts me and my mom. It's disgusting. 
disgusting and gross and everyone says so. You're an embarrassment, Kumar. Satya grimaces, holding her fingers to her bloodied nose. That's not my name, she says. That's not my name. Kumar hates himself. Kumar flinches when he looks in the mirror. Kumar has to pretend all the time to talk in a stolen voice, to wear counterfeit clothes. Kumar lives a life of misery. Satya's life isn't much better, thanks to you and everyone else. But at least it's not a lie. She gathers up her luggage, spots of blood across her tee, and she walks to the RV. Where are you going? Syed asks. Far away from here. Syed says, You know what? Fine. You're nothing but a freak and an embarrassment to us. You're a... You're a... Okay, so he goes on like this for a bit, saying angry and hurtful things while Rael and Satya head back to the RV. When they're inside, he looks at me. You guys are in so much trouble. I look him in the eye. Maybe. But your sister was in trouble. And look what you did. Just when she needed a big brother the most. We drive away. Syed runs into the house. The cops will probably be on us soon, I say. Rael shakes his head. I have bought us a little time. Take the southern road out of town, turn at the dam, then head southwest. What can I do but trust him? Okay, is there somewhere we can pull off again? I don't know how much longer I can manage this without a break. Yes, just a little longer. Rail guides me through the back roads, and we eventually come to a national forest with a few campsites near the road. We pull off. Satya has cleaned up a little, but her face is still swollen. She hands me a little baggie full of pills. I ask her, are you going to be okay? She's upset, hurting, inside and out, but she manages a smile for me. Still in one piece, she says. That counts as a victory. Rest, Rael says. We'll keep watch and wake you at nightfall. So I do. The Oxycontin does the trick. It's enough that I can relax and actually sleep. I wake up at dusk. Still some pain in the hip, but I think I can handle it so long as the Oxy holds out. I climb out of the camper and find Rail and Satya sitting on the roof, looking up at the evening sky through the trees. She's laughing. He's smiling. She looks down at me, genuinely happy. Hey, Simon, she says. Rail told me everything. And I'm in. You're in? Yep. We're heading west to fight the darkness. Uh-huh. You see how it's gonna be, don't you? Constellations is written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms. Music in this episode included Bindweed by Axeltree and You Can Be Broken Too by Smaller Tide. Links to these artists can be found on our webpage, bookofconstellations.com, and do check them out on Bandcamp. Additional music by John Bartman. 
If you are a young person in crisis, feeling suicidal, or in need of a safe and judgment-free place to talk, call the Trevor Lifeline at 1-866-488-7386 or visit thetrevorproject.org. Please tell your friends about the Book of Constellations and consider making a donation of support at glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. Be kind to each other. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.